We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And this episode is brought to you by Untucket. But, Jack, what's up? Just not enough, Nick. Yeah, not enough. That was the title of yesterday's episode. <laughs> That's what it felt like today. Uh, 106, yeah. 117. Nets suffer a loss to the Sixers on the second night of a back to back. But before we get into it, quick reminder you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But, Jack, where do you want to start with this one? I mean,. I don't know, Nick. It seemed to me like both teams couldn't hit free throws. Both teams were struggling to fight offense at times. Uh, but when it came down to it, the Sixers were able to execute late. The Nets weren't able to. The Sixers' defense stepped up. And, you know, uh, the DeAndre Jordan injury had, I guess, a little bit of an effect. But overall, this was a game the Nets could have won. Uh, but a 16-point final quarter uh, isn't going to do the job. That's uh, for sure. Yeah, the game was pretty much neck and neck the entire time. The Nets had a little bit of a lead for a while, but then by the time the fourth quarter hit, it was like whoever plays a better quarter here is going to win the game, and Sixers played substantially better. You know, 31-16 to in that final frame, and Tobias Harris really stepped up hitting a lot of tough shots, and I think the mismatches really exposed themselves late in this game. They really did, and I I think defensively the the Nets just didn't have enough to answer um, the, the size of Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I, I think don't think our talent necessarily stepped up uh, enough either. You know, I thought Spencer was our, our best player tonight. You know, Kyrie Irving was uh, probably one of our, our poorer performers. You know, minus 29 on the night, 14 points, six rebounds, four assists, two steals, a couple of turnovers, six of 21 from the field. Um, and I, I don't think he was good. I expected him to step up in that uh, final quarter. Didn't really do it. 
Uh, it just, you know, when you're best played, it seemed to me that it was slightly of an inverse of what happened in the Jazz game where it was Kyrie Irving leading the way and the other guys weren't able to support him, whereas it was Spencer Dinwiddie tonight and no one able to support him. You know, Joe Harris had probably his worst game uh, of the season, uh, to be fair. He just seems to perform always incredibly poorly against the Sixers. Their size and physicality, he just doesn't match up well against. And, and Tybal just ate his lunch on, on numerous occasions. Yeah, that length really impacted them. And kind of before we dive into all the players, did you think Kenny should have went with a different closing lineup, maybe one that included Rodion's or Wilson Chandler, just to add a little bit more size to counter what Philly was trying to do? Because they consistently just kept attacking the Nets inside. I probably would have had Chandler out there instead of Harris. Um, yeah. I thought Prince was good offensively and had some some really nice stretches for us on the offensive end. He, his lapses defensively can be incredibly frustrating, but then again, he still had three steals, um, was three or four from three. Uh, I would have had Wilson Chandler out there. You know, he was he was good on both ends of the floor for me. Um, I put out there uh, Wilson Chandler revenge game. He was probably our best player off the bench. Yeah, I'd probably say that. I think Rodion's obviously deserved more minutes, and he wasn't really able to make an impact with only 12 minutes, which to me, it still boggles belief a little bit. But uh, that's a, 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 just another discussion we can maybe have. But yeah, I, I thought Chandler should have been out there. Yeah, Chandler, I think just his size and just his strength would have had an impact because you could have threw him on Horford, and I think he would have matched up a little bit better than Prince, just having a little bit more size. And also, if you had a switch, you have another guy that you can feel comfortable defending, Ben Simmons, who I felt like whenever Simmons got the mismatch, he just attacked it. He did, and he is uh, he's a good enough player to do that. You know, he still uh, can be poor in some of his offensive, you know, skill set, but, you know, he impacted the game in a big way, 20 points, 11 assists for him. But, you know, our guys just, there, there weren't enough guys. Our starters were all right. You know, Torian Prince was good. I thought Jared Allen was was fantastic. Um, but Joe Harris was poor. Kyrie Irving was poor. And when two of your key starters are playing badly, and then off the bench, I would say Chandler was above average. Kurtz didn't have much of an effect because he wasn't allowed to. DJ got injured, Levert was okay, uh, and TLC was okay. Yeah, I actually thought this was a bad game for TLC. He had a lot of mental lapses in this game. There was one that specifically stuck out, I think, to end the third, I want to say, where he just completely, like, switched and didn't communicate, and then Korkmaz got a wide-open three. And then, you know, they just kind of a, kind of got that run going for Philadelphia. And there was a couple times where, like, I don't know what Kenny was thinking, trying to put TLC on Ben Simmons. He doesn't have the size or the strength to match up with him. So it was just weird that he was getting, getting so many minutes and he was playing in that fourth quarter. And I just felt like there wasn't a need to play him in the fourth quarter when you have so many other options. No disrespect to TLC. I just don't think he's at that point in his career. Yeah. And, you know, he is still a two-way player. You know, he's probably at best a... Uh, uh, a 10th, 11th man. Um, and, you know, he's been playing okay. This was probably one of his poorer performances. Um, he did have a nice little play, you know, in, in transition and, and in the finish. But, yeah, you're not going to win a game, Nick. And this is via Pooch, uh, the one and only. The Nets went the final four minutes of 55 without a field goal. Yeah, you just can't do that. And I feel like, you know, give credit to Philadelphia for disrupting things and making things a little bit more physical. You know, the refs were giving them a lot of calls earlier in this game, but the fourth they kind of let them play. And the Nets didn't react well to that, and we've seen that happen in the past too. Yeah, it's it's not going to win your games, Nick. And obviously we know how good the Sixers are defensively, but there were just times where the, the sets were just getting clogged down. You know, the, the Spencer Dimwitty where you just dribble, 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 dribble. You know, it, it seems to me that there's just a, a lack of cohesion uh, not all the time, but just in, in this game, we're, we're obviously just recapping this one. So uh, it wasn't it wasn't our night, but it, it certainly could have been. I thought we played, you know, three good quarters and one horrific quarter. 
Yeah, I think you mentioned at the end of the game, it's like the Nets just stopped doing what they're doing the entire game or certain things that worked. It's like they don't go back to them and they just try to force things that aren't working. Like I thought at different points in this game, they did a great job trying to switch defenders and get the weaker guy on, especially like Spencer and Kyrie so they could attack. And at the end of the game, they just tried to attack Ben Simmons and Thibault and even Richardson, like try to get a matchup against uh, Tobias Harris or Al Horford on ISO and then you have a lot better chance of scoring. Yeah, I don't think that sometimes the Nets aren't playing clever basketball. Yeah. And, and I think that you can see that a lot of the time where like Kyrie is instructing where for guys to get on the floor and, you know, Spencer likewise and people pick out clips that sort of show him showing a lack of leadership. But I would prefer him instructing guys because, you know, Kenny can only do so much from the bench. Sometimes the, play, the Nets play silly basketball and, you know, you can't play silly basketball against a team that's, you know, obviously been struggling a little bit of late, but, you know, they're one of the best home teams in the NBA, 19-2 and two at home. The Nets certainly could have made them 18-3 and three with tonight's game. But, you know, you're not going to, again, not scoring uh, a field goal in the final five minutes of a game. It, it, the Sixers did lock down, but I thought it was on both ends of the floor where the Nets weren't just able to get into any sets. And that was on them. Kyrie Irving couldn't necessarily do his, you know, fourth quarter uh, ISO sort of style. You know, Kyrie, clutch Kyrie wasn't uh, certainly there tonight. Uh, National TV, Kyrie, all the different nicknames you want to give him. But yeah, for me tonight, if it wasn't for Spencer, you know, Jared Allen, I thought was massive. I thought he could have played, you know, even more. Uh, but you know, not enough to contributors. Uh, in a game where the Nets probably had a, had a chance. I really like the point you brought up about the Nets just playing silly sometimes. And it's like the ceiling, the floor is so crazy for this team because they have flashes or quarters where you see, you know, Spencer, Karras, and Kyrie out there. And you got Joe Harris or Torian Prince hitting threes or Jared Allen throw down blunk, blocks and dunks and whatever it may be. But on the other end, then you have times where it feels like this is the first time these guys have stepped on the court together and they can't even just communicate on a switch or offensively, they just look so distraught. Next thing you know, you wasted 15 seconds of the shot clock. Yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous at times. And, you know, every possession matters, especially yep. against a quality team and especially in the fourth quarter and especially in clutch time, the final sort of five minutes. And that's where you need to really step up. But, you know, at, at, at this point in stage, the Nets are an average team. We know that, you know, they're close to 500, but they're, they're slowly slipping away from that even. So hopefully... I mean, it's not going to get any easier when we come against the Milwaukee Bucks, but we've at least shown potential enough to compete with the better teams. We just lack the class and the polish to really finish it off. And I think the mental focus, I think you mentioned, you know, every possession counts and you have to be engaged the whole time. There's just so many possessions where it feels like the Nets are into the game, you know, defensively, offensively, whatever it may be. It's like ball watching and then defensively, they ball watch too, where it's just like everyone stands around and all of a sudden, you know, a Philadelphia 76er came in and got an offensive rebound and they didn't kill the Nets on the boards, but it just felt like they got so many timely rebounds in this game. Yeah, it's important times. And, you know, letting Korkmaz get a board off his free throw miss. And, you know, I thought overall that the battle on the boards wasn't too, you know, obviously it was 44 to 49. But, you know, the timing of it, I think you make it is a pretty pertinent point there, Nick. But... Ever seen Ontuck button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untucket, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn on Tucked. No matter your size or shape, Untucket shirts always fit at the perfect Untucked length. 
With more than 50 fit combinations, Ontucket shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages, myself included. Being 6'3", it's extremely difficult to find shirts that fit right. Ontucket makes it easy. They also have a ton of styles to choose from, wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untucket shirts, you'll never look baggy, too long, or too big again. And their website's easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untucket is the way to go. Visit Untucket.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's Untucket.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. How much do you think the DeAndre Jordan injury affected the flow of the game? And and I I mean, overall, Jared Allen, I just thought was sensational. Yeah, Jared Allen was awesome. But I do think if there's a matchup DeAndre could have an impact in, it's against the Sixers, you know, one of the biggest teams in the NBA. And then losing him kind of messed with rotations. And then also I felt like in terms of the second unit, he did a nice job in the first half of kind of hitting some guys on those cuts which isn't always the most important thing, but it just adds a little bit to the offense. So I think they did miss him. Not to say that I thought DeAndre was really good in this game, but just being out of the rotation, having to play Wilson Chandler and just kind of change things up for the entire team. Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, the, these are the sort of things you want to see your guys step up in these performances. Um, and tonight, there weren't enough capable guys to step up. But Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, we spoke about, and I think it's been spoken about by every single media sports organization about the chemistry between him and Kyrie Irving. I know I saw a stat today that showed they have a, a net rating of four, plus 14.4 when on the court together this season. I thought today they they, they showed uh, elements of chemistry, you know, playing both playing off the ball a little bit. Um, at times, Spencer hit some threes, three of eight from three. I thought that was probably one of his better performances from the perimeter. Now, our free throw shooting was, you know, pretty disgusting. But then again, so was the Sixers. So it sort of cancels each other out a little bit. But at the end of the day, you know, Spencer was our, our best player. And um, he certainly wasn't the reason why we uh, why we struggled. Yeah, and I think uh, free throw shooting, even though the Sixers and Nets shot pretty similar, the Sixers have guys you don't expect to make free throws, like Ben Simmons, but you know Spencer did what he cares over. Like These are guys that we expect to shoot a higher percentage at the line. And getting to Kyrie a little bit, it, it wasn't like he played terrible. I think he just missed a lot of shots that he made the last two games. And I don't know if it was like this is the game that looked like he was rusty or whatever it was. He just was didn't have the touch tonight. And I mean, Kyrie Irving, a guy who's like 90% of his career even missed a free throw at a time where it just, you know, it just didn't affect him. You know, there was Wilson Chandler hit both of his free throws. You know, Carlos Avert, you know, we said the start of the season, his player preview, that that's an area we wanted him to sort of step up in. Um, his game was yeah, fine, um, but I thought that, you know, he can be so much better defensively. He sort of suffers from a lot of the symptoms that we've spoken about in terms of his game and lapses and just a lack of sort of cohesion and, and engagement. But, you know, this game was was there for the taking and uh, we just didn't have enough guys who maybe, I think they wanted it enough, but just were able to execute well enough. Yeah, one thing I did like from Karras's game and over the last couple of games is his cutting. I wanted to keep seeing that from him. It's just an easy way for him to get buckets and get to the rim. It was kind of weird to see him only play 22 minutes. Well, he played 22 minutes in the last game against Utah as well. So Interesting. Um, I I think that it's obviously, maybe it's an injury management thing, but I don't think he deserved to, to be playing extended minutes. Probably above Joe Harris. I mean, if in all honesty, Rodion should have been playing more minutes, Chandler should have been playing more minutes. It seems to me that Coach Kenny gets bogged down sometimes and, and 
again, rigid, I say probably the, the key word when it comes to Kenny. In terms of his rotations, I know you've had uh, just some discussion with different guys on Twitter about, you know, Coach Kenny hasn't found the, the certain rotations and lineups that he's liked just yet, but I think what you need to do is, who's performing well on the night? Well, Joe Harris wasn't, so maybe put in Wilson Chandler out there. We'll give Brody on Scorch a go. The fact that he didn't see any time in the first quarter was a little bit shocking to me. I thought I was, you know, about to start a riot from here in Melbourne, Australia, because he just he has been one of the next most consistent performers over this sort of seven, eight game stretch, despite the the ups and downs. So I think Kenny needs to be a bit more instinctual and read the flow of the game a little bit better rather than sort of, we know he's he's very analytics driven and, you know, he plays a certain style and we know his philosophy, but sometimes you just need to, to go with the flow, Kenny. Yeah, I think some of the adjustments just weren't there tonight. And then also you have to remember Garrett Temple didn't play again. Rotation is going to probably get even weirder the next game if he's back. Yeah, you, you would expect it to be. You know, I would... In my in my honest opinion, I would take TLC out, and yep. that, that would certain that would probably be the rotation. And then with your bench, just other than Carlos Alberto, who should be playing near starter minutes, and you know you look at the role players, Prince Harris. You know you read the flow of the game. Who's hitting their shots? Who's playing defense? And then you know you give guys different goes, and you see how things are heading into the fourth. You've got the body of work in the three of the four quarters. Then you go, all right, this is a lineup that has worked so far. I'm going to roll with it. And if it doesn't work. You have guys where you can change things up a little, a little bit. You're going to have Jared Allen out there. You're going to have Kyrie out there. You're going to have Spencer out there. And you're going to have at least one of Torian or Joe Harris out there, depending on you know the performance. But Joe Harris can be uh, defensively sometimes a liability. Offensively sometimes, depending on how good the defense is from another team. And against the Bucks, uh, the Jazz, the Bucks coming up, the Jazz, the Sixers, these sort of teams, you have good physicality and good size about them. Joe can really struggle. Um, I'm, I, I might be the biggest Joe Harris stand on this planet Earth, but that doesn't immune him from any criticism that he does deserve where he doesn't perform uh, to a level that we require of him. So for me, there needs to be adjustments on the fly, Nick, and good coaches do that. And I think Kenny needs to realize his roster is different than it was the last two months and different from last season where he has a lot of different pieces where he can play different styles of basketball with the talent he has. So I think it's just kind of getting a little bit creative out there and seeing how things go. And I think sometimes, like, Kenny also needs to be willing to just mess with the rotation. Hey, Philadelphia starters are not a great matchup for Joe Harris. Sub him early, bring him back in against the bench and let him kind of feast on them. I think it's just finding ways for your players to have the, their best showings out there. Yeah, uh, and at that at that point, that's that's the coach's job, you know, to be able to find the the, the chemistry and the lineups that will work best to to execute and and to find the, the right synergy and flow on on both ends of the floor. But yeah, it was it was a little bit disappointing, Nick, but not surprising. Uh, I think that if the Nets had have hung in a little bit better uh, in the fourth quarter. I thought that they would have been with, with a better shot, but, you know, not hitting, you know, clutch shots and, and timely free throws and, and these sort of things. It's it's the reason why we lost. Yeah, and I think even, you know, the fourth quarter they had their lapses, but I felt like throughout three quarters, as good as they played, there was times where they could have capitalized more. It felt like even the first quarter, it felt like the Nets played really well and they were only, I think, up uh, like two or three, three. at that, three yeah, at that right. point. And it was just like, Ah, uh, that's tough. Like, you didn't capitalize in that quarter from Philadelphia. I think they started the game like 0-7 from 3. And it's just like when you don't capitalize on certain moments in the game, you just always feel like it's going to come back to bite you when you're not an elite team. Yeah, and I wouldn't have hated at times to see the zone thrown out there because we know how well um, it worked against the Sixers last time we, we faced them. 
um, because they don't really have three-point shooters outside of Korkmaz, essentially. So I, I wouldn't have hated to, to see those different sort of looks. But I think today, in terms of the, the communication, the, the defensive end, it probably could have fallen apart as well. So, I mean, I'm, I'm throwing things out there because hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the Sixers deserve to win this. They closed it out. They played well when it mattered. Uh, the Nets didn't enough. They did at certain times. Uh, but when it really did matter, the Sixers, you know, showed their showed their experience, showed their cohesion, uh, and showed their talent. And made the clutch plays, and that's what really matters. Like, you you know, you're going to be in plenty of games you don't deserve to win, and then you play a good fourth quarter, and you're going to steal a W. We've seen the Nets do it in the past. Sixers did that tonight. And I think a little bit goes into the Nets on the second night of back-to-back. Specifically, I think it probably impacted Kyrie the most because he hasn't played basketball in so long. So, you know, you can throw that factor in, but there was still an opportunity there. There certainly was, and Kyrie was the one we spoke about on previous episodes. He said it immediately, I'm good to go, I'm good to go. So there's no excuses when you're out there. Um, I didn't see necessarily any rust in terms of his shot. You know, when he was shooting a three, it actually probably looked better than it has in, in previous performances. Um, when he did fall down, um, driving sometimes it did cringe a little bit, but, you know, hopefully uh, a couple of days rest and we get a... A really big bounce back performance from Kyrie Irving because, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie and Kyrie Irving and Carol Subvert, I think when we have two of those three guys firing, the Nets are going to be hard to stop. And, you know, at least one guy at an, at an average. But if it's just one of them, you, you can't have one of your three best players playing well. So, I mean, if you go to the the 76ers, you know, the, you have at least three starters playing really well. Tobias Harris was was great. Ben Simmons was great. And, you know, Josh, Richards, Josh Richardson performed admirably too. That's why they won. You know, the Nets had Spencer Dinwiddie and Jared Allen play well in their starters. Torian Prince was, was good in moments, but I thought was still kind of inconsistent. At least he was in the three balls. And, and at least, yeah, that's it. That's essentially stands out for a guy who doesn't have the usage rate and the ball in his hands enough to, to warrant four turnovers next to his name. Yeah, I feel like at times over just the last few games, like Torian and Joe have tried to do too much where they don't necessarily need to anymore because, hey, Spencer's out there with you, Kyrie's out there with you, you're not going to hit this shot, no big deal, pass it out, we still have 10 seconds on the shot clock to run something. Yeah, I think that they get they get stuck in a mentality or they, you know. They're used probably... to it. I mean, it's been two months where they've had to do it. Yeah, and, and also I think neither of them are great passes off the drive. You know, Joe Harris is a really good sort of sneaky passer down low. But in terms of like a kick-out pass, yep. he's not Kyrie, Karras, or Spencer in that regard. So uh, I think some of it is on guys getting in, into the right spots. Um, but it's also on Torian Prince and Joe Harris knowing their limitations. Yeah, and we've kind of talked about it in the past. It wouldn't be the worst thing ever to separate those two in terms of spacing. It's not like they can never play minutes together, but I think it might be something for Kenny to look at. And you, you talk, you, we keep talking about the three best players in the Nets. I think Kenny needs to find a way to get these guys to in the groove together and so they can play more minutes together, whatever it may be, what he has to do to adjustment or whoever he puts with them. I think you want to see them get minutes together on the floor and see how that experiment's going because at the end of the day, you're putting the most pressure on the defense when you have your three best players out there. You know, I wouldn't hate Karras starting and Joe Harris going to the bench or Torian Prince going to the bench and then staggering the minutes. Um, yeah. you got to have your best players out there. You need to find a way to make it work with your best players. I mean, the Sixers have certainly had their troubles with that with, with Embiid and Simmons, but still they are a, a plus team with both of those guys out there because their talents are just so overwhelming. So 
for me, Coach Kenny needs to, to start continue experimenting, continue to find the ways to, to play winning basketball for this team. Uh, but the team, uh, the players also really need to execute. Yeah, and they need to be consistent throughout the game, especially in that fourth quarter. But, Jack, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? I think we might see Nicholas Claxton back, Nick, if that mm. um, finger injury from DeAndre Jordan is like a, a dislocation or something could be out for, for an extended period. So uh, we might see uh, the return of the Rook. Yeah, I'd like to see Claxton out there. It'd be interesting because I know he's been shooting a little bit more from deep in the, the G League. Would be a nice ad for that bench. But as always, fun talking Nets with you, Jack, even though it's a loss. And big thanks to everybody for listening to the show. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.